This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Cyber Monday, more like Cyger Friday, as it pertains to the Lakers not being able to pull off another epic comeback against the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I know, we still got to get through Black Friday first, but Cyber Monday worked better for that terrible pun. But if you are looking for some crazy deals on wide-open game-winning threes to opposing teams, the Lakers have a ton of those. Ayo. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I will be joined shortly by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. First of all, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there and their families. Hope you guys all were able to stuff your bellies, watch some good football, and avoid any awkward political conversations at the family table. So in this episode... I'm going to first give a quick update on where the Lakers currently stand and give you my three interesting stats of the day. And then I'm going to bring Tommy back in, at which point we will be talking about one, Austin Reeves and whether his early struggles this season have changed our macro outlook on his ceiling. And then two, we'll also talk about Jared Vanderbilt, his impending return, and whether our viewpoints on him have changed as well with regards to his importance to this team. But first, some quick updates. The Lakers are now 9-7 on the year after Wednesday night's annoying game versus the Dallas Mavericks. The Lakers had won 6 out of their last 7 prior to Wednesday night, and they were riding a 3-game winning streak as well. Regardless, Wednesday night's scheduled loss against the Dallas Mavericks notwithstanding, the Lakers are also 4-0 in in-season tournament play, and they have advanced to the quarterfinals. They now will have a home game set for either December 4th or December 5th to kick off the next round. And overall, ever since Rui Hachimura's return from his eye concussion injury, and ever since Darvin Ham made the switch to start Cam Reddish and bring Austin Reeves off the bench, the Lakers have been hitting their stride on the back of some tremendous LeBron James and AD performances, and are 6-3 over the last 9 games. Cam Reddish unfortunately sustained a groin injury on Tuesday, but it does seem like he's just day-to-day, so we're hoping he's back soon. Alright, so before I bring Tommy back in to talk some Austin Reeves and Jared Vanderbilt, I first want to highlight three interesting stats of the day. Number one, believe it or not, the Lakers actually have three players currently shooting 40% or better from three. Number one, 
Rui Hachimura at 42.9%, hitting 1.33s a game. Number two, LeBron James at 41.4%, hitting 2.43s a game. LeBron, in particular, has been incredible from deep this season, taking a lot more catch-and-shoot threes. In totality, he's only shot 40% from three once in his career. Back in 2012-13 with the Miami Heat when he shot 40.6%. But back then, he did so on much lower volume, hitting just 1.43s a game. So the fact that he's hitting 2.43s a game and shooting 41.4% is very impressive. And then number three, D'Angelo Russell. He's hitting 40% from three, knocking down 2.33s a game. Over his last six games, D'Angelo Russell is shooting 20 of 34 from three since having back-to-back games where he wasn't able to hit a single three. So overall, pretty encouraging signs for the Lakers in the three-point shooting department. Now, if we could just get the 40% three-point shooting prince that was promised to us to join the party. Okay, my second most interesting stat of the day, number two. The Lakers also currently have three players who are averaging five assists or more. Number one, LeBron James at 6.7 assists. Number two, D'Angelo Russell at 6.3 assists. And number three, Austin Reeves averaging about five assists a game. In the LeBron James and Anthony Davis era, the Lakers have never had three sets of players average five assists or more a game. The last time that happened, it was during LeBron James' first year with the Lakers in 2018-19 when LeBron James averaged eight assists, Rajon Rondo averaged eight assists, and Lonzo Ball averaged five assists. But each of these players only played half the season, so it's really not an accurate representation of the playmaking distribution with all players being on the court at the same time like LeBron, D'Lo, and Reeves have in this early part of the season. So if this keeps up, this will be a pretty monumental stat in the LeBron James and AD era to have three or more players averaging five assists or better. So yeah, overall, LeBron James, D'Angelo Russell, and Reeves all averaging five assists or better just continues to speak to the versatility in ball handlers and playmakers that the Lakers have on this team. Now, they all just need to find Anthony Davis better. Okay, last interesting stat of the day. In spite of the fact that the Lakers have been missing two of their best point-of-attack defenders for pretty much the entire season, the Lakers are actually ninth in the league in defensive rating. On top of that, they are number 8 in blocks per game, averaging 6 a game, mainly thanks to Anthony Davis, who still leads the league with 2.9 blocks a game, despite a dip in that category the last few games, and the Lakers are also number 17th in the league in steals per game, averaging 7.7 steals a game. Thanks primarily to Cam Reddish, who's averaging a team-high 1.7 steals, and then LeBron James, who's averaging 1.5 steals. And with regards to Cam Reddish, if you take away Cam's last game, when he suffered his groin injury and only played 5 minutes, Cam had actually recorded 3-plus steals in 6 out of his last 7 games. So really, really impressive stuff from the Lakers' lankiest and longest defenders. Now, the Lakers just need to continue to do a better job rebounding and boxing out, especially, surprisingly, on the offensive glass, where they rank number 29 in the league. But yeah, all this to say, even with the Lakers' defensive inconsistencies and weaknesses thus far through the first 15 games of the season, the fact that they are number 9 in defensive rating, 
I think portends to higher defensive upside in the future, especially when we get Jared Vanderbilt and Gabe Vincent back. All right, so that'll do it for my three interesting Lakers stats of the day. With that said, why don't we take it to a quick break first, and when we return, I'll bring Tommy in, and we shall have some larger macro discussions on the aforementioned Jared Vanderbilt, as well as Austin Reeves. So we will catch you guys after the turn. Hey folks, quick reminder, if you've enjoyed what you've been listening to up until this point, please do us a favor and give us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcasts app. Also, check out the Spotify app, look up our page, and hit that five-star dial at the top of our page. Make sure it's five stars. We are at 99 stars, I believe, at the time that I'm recording this. We'd love to get over 100. And yeah, it would mean a lot to us. At this point, your guys' reviews and your guys' support are the only things upholding this show as each of us get busier and busier with our daily lives and we start contemplating what the end looks like and whether or not we can continue to maintain the overall consistency of this show. So giving us a five-star rating and review and continuing to and continuing to let us know that you're listening definitely goes a long way. So we appreciate all the support that we've gotten. But yeah, if you could do us a favor and rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app and the Spotify app, that would be tremendous. With that said, please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we are back, and I have Tommy here with me now. For the last two parts of this episode, we are going to be talking about Austin Reeves and Jared Vanderbilt. Tommy, let's start with Austin Reeves. So obviously, he's had an up-and-down season. He's definitely shown some flashes this season of I'm him Austin Reeves, particularly taking over in the fourth quarter here and there. He's had some really nice scoring outbursts versus the Memphis Grizzlies. He shot four of four from three. But I think the main consistent thing with Austin thus far this season has been poor decision-making, a loose handle, and lots of turnovers. Uh, He's toggled between 2.4, 2.6 turnovers all season, Prior to this season, there was a lot of talk about Point Austin. A lot of premature proclamations were being made. I think we were both comfortable with the idea of Point Austin. I don't think either of us said Austin should be the only point guard on this team. And I think we're starting to see why. And we had gone out ahead of this and had a couple podcasts where we talked about how this is a pretty big year for Austin because everybody is going to be honed in on him. Every team is going to have, he's going to be at the top of every team's scouting report now. And so how will Austin handle that? And so maybe it's a little to be expected that during this first part of the season, he would struggle to adapt a little bit on top of the fact that this team has also wanted to give him more on-ball reps. And maybe the five-out system isn't necessarily well-tailored to his skills and abilities. But my main question in setting all that up is, through the first quarter of this season have your expectations on Austin Reeves lowered a little bit in terms of his overall ceiling and this is more of like a larger macro question because the struggles that he's had during this first quarter of the season kind of remind me of and I've used this comp before I'm not comparing both these players apples to apples stylistically because they're not the same player but Austin Reeves and his run last year kind of reminds me of a longer-term Linsanity run, and the struggles he's having now where teams are honed in on him and locking him down and trapping him and using his weaknesses against him kind of also remind me when teams 
learned about Jeremy Lin's game, and particularly that one Miami Heat game where they did everything to totally trap him and get him off his groove, and eventually Lin just started turning the ball over more. Now, Jeremy Lin ended up having a perfectly solid career. He settled in as a 13.6 assist player who could start for you on most teams, but probably was best suited as a bench guard. I'm not saying Austin Reeves is best suited as a bench guard or anything like that. I'm just saying his early struggles remind me of when people kind of wisened up on Lin's sanity a bit and Lin had to adjust. And if you remember what people were saying about Jeremy Lin at the time when Lin's sanity was happening, Magic Johnson was like, oh man, this guy's the next Steve Nash, yada, yada, yada. If you remember what we were saying about Austin Reeves during FIBA Team USA play and after the Western Conference Finals, Austin Reeves is an all-star. All I'm asking you now is have your expectations lowered a little bit because of this first start or are you just chalking it up to this is just a bump in the road Austin will figure it out I think this is just a bump in a road Austin will figure it out but maybe for me personally maybe all-star all a perennial all-star or even just like a one-time all-star may not be in Austin's future but that's perfectly okay but where do you stand so far on where your dial has uh toggled on the Austin Reeves uh, meter here. Uh, I'm definitely not. I think it's way too early. I, I think you said a quarter of the season. We're not. It's not even a quarter of the season, right? At this point, it's like an eighth of the season, basically seventh of the season. I, I think like Austin, you know, his assists have gone up, right? Have the turnovers gone up? Yes. The assists have also gone up. He's at about five assists. I think that's like what I projected I, when we were doing the early season pre- predictions, I was like, Oh yeah, maybe he'll average a career high assist five, which was like a bit more than he averaged in the playoffs last year. So you would expect uh, certainly while he's figuring things out, you would maybe expect that as the assists go up, the ball handling duties go up, the turnovers maybe slightly go up one full turnover. Uh, increase per game compared to last year is probably too much. I think there's a few things going on with him. I think his legs weren't there to start the season. I think, you know, that obviously had an impact on his shooting. We saw how well he shot the ball over the summer. Um, I don't view this in the same way that the Linsanity stuff happened. I mean, if you remember like Linsanity, it was Linsanity was a bit more of a flash in the pan than this Austin Reeves stuff. I mean, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Austin had like, I mean, look at the series he had against Denver. He was like our second best player, basically. You know, he was averaging like over 20 a game on high efficiency and and we lost the series, but it was like sustained for, I, I don't even know. Like, I mean, he, he was doing this for most of the season. He shot 40% from three and 53% from the field over 64 games last year. It wasn't just like a, a burst he had, right? So I, I think I'm just talking like broader strokes in terms of if you can project out Lynn Sanity's, you know, two months at the end of his season and parallel that to Austin Reeves' playoff run into FIBA play where the league hadn't yet studied him closely to when the league studied him more closely. I, I guess I'm talking about that particular distinction. I think teams... And it, this applies to both of our guards. It's just that D'Angelo is more of a true point guard, right? But but um, even though he's kind of a scoring point guard, he's played as a point guard for his entire career, and he's been in the league for eight, nine years, right? So, But it clearly is the case that the game plan against our team is oh, be overly physical and hound our guards. Mm-hmm. 
they know that our guard, we don't have Kyrie Irving. We don't have these like 6'2". We don't even have Dennis Schroeder, right? We don't have these like speedy small guards. We play big guards. And the way that you counteract that as a defense is to give them 90, you know, the whole court of pressure. And that's what's happening, right? So I think like... You know, all this is to say, I, I'm not really that worried about Austin. I think his numbers are trending up. You know, he was sub 30% most of the season. He at, From three, he's 34%, and that that's going up, right? He needs to string together some more games cons, uh, consistently. I think he was hitting a good stride, and then the back-to-back kind of screwed everyone on the team up. Um, he, he has to kind of con- continue the traje- trajectory that he was on. But I'm just... I, I'm not that worried about it. I don't think this is the thing that like teams have figured out Austin as much as he just needs to figure out how to make his spots. I think, or find his spots. I think the thing with him as a ball handler has been that he's like trying too hard to go from, I was drafted as a shooting guard to I'm now like Steve Nash. You know what I mean? Like he's over dribbling. There were some possessions on the Kings game, which yeah. was was kind of a flushed game anyway. But like there still were some possessions where Austin was just dribbling the ball for 16 seconds and there were no passes and he kept and not trying going to have, anywhere <laughs> and not going anywhere because he would, you know, try to get a screen. The guy would jump over the screen. He wouldn't be able to get a step. He couldn't get any momentum towards the rim like and he would just keep dribbling and re- try to reset the screen instead of passing it out. You know, so it's like. He needs to work out those kinks, and I think that stuff will happen as the season goes. Um, he has like stepped up his game in other ways. I mean, he's averaging five over five rebounds a game, easily a career high by by two boards per game. He's averaging one point two steals per game, which is over double what he's ever you know averaged in the past. He's contributing in other ways. I think what he needs to with the, the so like you know the the those types of like roll up your sleeves blue car, collar type duties like he's excelling at those and that's what always kind of made him a very valuable player. In my opinion, if he just cleans up the turnovers, he's having a fantastically solid season. He's averaging fourteen points a game. Like he probably is going to continue to score more. I I would think as a bench player, because he's going to have more opportunity. Um, So, you know, I, I, I'm kind of holding out more time to kind of give my assessment on him, but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't characterize this as like a regression or teams have figured him out, or maybe his ceiling is capped. I think we know who he can be. I think he just needs to, you know, kind of get there uh, this season. It's almost like he's having his sophomore slump as a third-year player because, you know, first year he was sort of a... I mean, he was truly like an undrafted... I mean, he played in a lot of games, but true undrafted, like, free agent signing, and really nobody knew who he was. He only shot it five times a game. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a few of these things he can clean up. I also think he's kind of suffering from a similar problem that a lot of our guys are, which is... His shot attempts are up over three attempts per game and his free throw attempts are down, which is crazy. Like his usage is clearly as high or higher than it's ever been. And is he's just not getting uh calls on on contact to the rim. They're you know, he's 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 Well that uh, all the, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I mean that also comes with the fact that, you know, the refs aren't gonna give him the same calls that he got you know, last season and how does he adjust and adapt to that? But I think your overall point is well taken. My follow-up question to that though is, did you ever have Austin Reeves as a, you know, in the future, a 20.6 assist type guy or like hypothetically, let's just say 
that the ceiling has lowered. I guess my argument is, is it necessarily a terrible thing? And I'm not trying to like rain on people's parade because I personally don't think it's the worst thing if, you know, following this Jeremy Lin parallel, is it the worst thing if he has a Jeremy Lin type progression? Again, not comparing the players apples to apples, but if Jalen settled in as a 13.6 assist starting point guard. What does that look like for Austin Reeves? Maybe that's a 15.16.4 assist player. Is that a bad thing? No, that's not a bad thing, but I also don't think it's like necessary to cap him at this point. I think he's still sure, could but be I, a I think I'm just giving you the I, I think I'm just giving you the hypothetical, like, you know, let's say that because I think from your perspective, it's perfectly, I mean, it makes total sense to just view this as an adjustment period. But let's say this is more a, maybe a sign of things to come. I think even in the worst case scenario, if Austin Reeves is more of a scorer than he is, you know, point Austin or whatever, which I'm kind of leaning more towards, there's a little bit of lowered expectations that may seem pessimistic. But if I'm taking like the bigger view of things and saying, okay, but Austin Reeves is going to shake out as a 15 and five player. I still think that's an amazing player who can help a championship team. You know, maybe he just doesn't get the accolades that many people were thinking about. Maybe he's not exactly Manu Ginobili, but he's still the winning type of player who will help a championship team, you know? So I guess... Yeah, I guess I... I now, I guess I'm just like, I push back on the... Did anyone think he was... I, I know that people... Loosely, I, I think some people is, did. This is why the player comps are silly, though, because it's like you can say like, oh yeah, his game is reminiscent of Manu Ginobili. Manu Ginobili is a Hall of Fame NBA player, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone actually thought... like. W- w- equivocating Austin Reeves' play style and his role and those types of things to Manu Ginobili may be completely fair. But that doesn't mean that, like, I, I personally, if I ever said that, I, that doesn't mean I I thought <laughs> that, like, oh, Austin Reeves has Hall of Fame potential or six-man-of-the-year sure. potential. Like, I'm not sure that he has that. As a 20-6 and six guy, some point in the future, yeah. I mean, D'Angelo Russell didn't hit 20-6 and six until his fourth year, and he was the number two pick in the draft. He wasn't an undrafted free agent. So... You know, it's like Austin has plenty of of career to go. He's he's you know a lot of guys hit their stride, especially these guys who come out later, right? Um, which is why they're maybe a little less valuable to teams drafting. But these guys who come out later, like they can hit their prime mid late twenties, you know. So um, yeah. and Austin's got plenty of more time before that. He's only twenty five. So yeah, I agree with you. I just know that there are lots of Lakers fans out there who, after I am him. We're starting to proclaim him, even just throwing Manu Ginobili to the side, as the third best Laker on this team. And at least for me, I'm not trying to be a prisoner of the moment or recency bias, yada, yada, yada. Maybe my expectations have lowered a little bit, but that does not change my overall viewpoint of Austin Reeves as a player. Um, Would you agree with me, though, that moving forward, I don't think Austin Reeves can be your sole point guard. I think he's better yeah. served as a secondary playmaker because he's a better shot creator for himself uh, and a better decision maker where he can use his crafty-like moves and herky-jerky dribbles than he is, you know, just a visionary playmaker, even though he does show flashes. Right, and I think that's the thing, too, that makes it hard early in the season like this to assess these guys because it's hard to know how much of this is overcorrection to try to get reps in you know what I mean how much of this is the coaching staff saying well eventually we want him to be able to be a very very solid secondary 
ball handler. So let's push him early in the season as far as he can go and see what the results are. And now they're kind of getting mm-hmm. a preview of that, right? And it's like the idea is you make the mistakes now. And in April, you're not making these same mistakes. So, again, it's like, I I don't even know what the actual, what the team's philosophy actually is with respect to this guy right now, right? Like, Gabe Vincent is hurt. Um, He, Austin is coming in with, like, these, you know, they kind of wanted to test him out as a point. Like, there's all these things they're kind of trying out. So, how much of this is, this is how we intend to run it the whole rest of the way? And how much of this is we're just trying it out? Yeah, I mean, I think the process is correct. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a learning curve for everybody. Um, with that said, let's take it to break. When we return, I want to talk a little bit about Jared Vanderbilt, who should also help Austin Reeves when he returns. So we will catch you guys after the turn. All right, so we are back. Uh, Jared, Vanderbilt, Jared Vanderbilt is ramping up his return to basketball activities in hopes to return soon, but... Tommy, before the season began and before Jared Vanderbilt had even gotten his extension, I know we had briefly touched upon what we would offer Jared Vanderbilt. You were a little low on taking, you were a little low on maybe giving him an extension. And I know you were a little surprised when the Lakers actually gave him his extension. I'm sure your thoughts have changed on that a little bit based off of, you know, where the salary cap is going and understanding that he's pretty much going to be making less than the mid-level the next couple of years. Um, But... Yeah, what what have your thoughts been on just Jared Vanderbilt's absence? It's it's funny because I feel like in one fell swoop, Jared Vanderbilt this season has shown us why on one end you give him that extension, especially if you can get him in at pretty much below the mid-level exception. And then two, on the same end, why it was probably right for the Lakers to be a little bit cautious or for fans like you to be a little bit cautious with regards to People don't remember this, but Jared Vanderbilt has actually had a, a an injury history with regards to his foot, and I think that's what led to him dropping in the draft. That hasn't been the case the last couple of years where he's been relatively healthy, but even if he didn't have this foot injury history, just the way he plays, like that high motor, him putting his body on the line, you can see the depreciating value eventually happen there. But regardless, yeah, what have your thoughts been on, have your thoughts changed on how important Jared Vanderbilt how important Jared Vanderbilt truly is on this team, or has it always been pretty high? And like, what has this absence shown you? Uh, my opinion has changed, actually. I think it's made me higher on him. I, I will have to see, obviously, what he looks like when he gets back. I think the thing that's been the most striking for me is that Rui Hachimura has come out like guns blazing, super hot, like mm-hmm. every game he's played. Um, has been like really, I mean, like, of course there was a couple, maybe a couple slow games, but the dude is shoot, like, 13 points a game in 20 minutes, shooting 58% from the field, 50% from three, 77% from the line. Like he's career highs efficiency across the board. Um, I feel like he's done a better job defending. He's averaging over a steal per game off the bench. He's never, which is a career high again. And, and these are all in, all of these numbers are in career low minutes, by the way. Um, so notwithstanding all of that, you still see these moments where it's like, ah, this is why Rui can't necessarily... Like, if you're having Rui replace LeBron, that's one thing. If you're having Rui, like, be in there to be a role-playing, like, guy, it's not always going to work. Like, sometimes you need the scoring. Sometimes you just need a guy who plays defense. And I think, although Rui has improved as a defender, it's just Vanderbilt brings something that nobody else on this team brings except AD. He's... 
the main missing piece from what made our defense so effective last year. And our defense has looked all kinds of wonky this year as we, as we know. Right. So I, I'm definitely like a little bit higher on him. Uh, Vando also has like a good history as a rebounder. Um, our rebounding. Ooh, I think that's up. the biggest thing, actually. <laughs> Our rebounding, because we've cleaned up a little bit, but but go ahead. I was going to say Cam Reddish has shown us a proxy of Vanderbilt that we've missed, you know, mm-hmm. but in terms of, but Cam Reddish isn't the rebounder that Vanderbilt is. And on top of it, Vanderbilt, I feel like they have similar motors, but Vanderbilt is kind of more like chaotic and athletic than Cam Reddish, you know? So you can envision a scenario where both of them are out there and it's like, that's amazing, you know, but it it also harkens back to like when you see Cam Reddish, you're reminded of just how much Vanderbilt can bring on top of Cam Reddish. But yeah, go ahead on the re- especially the rebounding point. Yeah, I mean, two years ago, he averaged over eight rebounds, almost eight and a half rebounds a game last year with Minnesota, eight, or excuse me, with Utah, eight, uh, eight rebounds a game with us, about seven rebounds a game. So he can rebound. Um And it's actually very impressive. The numbers are even more impressive when you consider that this guy is often guarding people on the perimeter and chasing Mm -hmm. them. Like, first of all, often full court pressing, chasing them around screens, you know, defending guards as like a six, nine wing (laughs) and then like still gobbling up the rebounds like that. That is like invaluable for for this group um, because we don't have a lot of guys who want to do that. I, I think the nice thing with all the injuries as it's forced the coaching staff to take different looks. And I I'm looking forward to like a lineup where we can come back. And I mean, if you, if you're putting out a lineup in there to close a game, you need defensive stops and you have Gabe Vincent at the one cam reddish at the two Vando and LeBron at your forwards and AD. I mean, good luck scoring against that group, Mm -hmm. you know? So I I'm pretty excited to see what happens when he comes back. I'm I'm like a little bit worried about the foot because I feel like this yeah. Lakers like uh PR team or or whoever, maybe that's the health team. I don't know who decides how to message this stuff, but it feels like there's always some shady stuff going on and you never get the the full story. I think like you know, I saw like somebody kind of flag this but like you know, he has like in what he was put down, what he was listed on the report with was like bursitis, like heel bursitis or something. And that just means like heel inflammation, but it like doesn't really tell us anything about what the cause of this was. And like, mm-hmm. is this going to be a thing that lingers all year? Like, so there's like kind of a lot of things to be concerned about. And it is pretty crazy because we do have a lot of depth as when everyone's healthy, as we've talked about, right? But there are certain still critical pieces that you are to the puzzle that, you know, besides AD, two of our top three defenders on the entire roster are out. And those are both rotation players in Vanderbilt and, and Gabe Vincent. So everybody needs to step it up defensively, but like, it's hard to overcome that. It's like, yeah, we, you know, you could say, Oh, we have all this depth, but if D'Lo and Rui and Austin get hurt, you know, it's like, maybe we have other depth, but we're not going to be able to score. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it is unfortunate that, that all of these guys got hurt at the same time, but we have to uh, kind of push through and, and, and I'm excited to see what Vando does. Yeah. You're just hoping that because of this heel bursitis thing that we're not getting Vanderbilt forever operating for the rest of the season at, 75% capacity, you know, I mean, even that would help, but 
when Vando is right and he's going 110% like he usually is, it's an absolute game changer for the Lakers because it is one of those the rising tide lifts all ships sort of deal with Vanderbilt because that his motor is infectious, right? And Cam Reddish is trying to do the best he can, but this is the minimum player that we signed, you know? And it's funny because Cam Reddish shooting these uh, corner three-point shots and hitting them is also sort of what we hoped Vanderbilt would be <laughs> when he came into this season. We just never got to see it besides that first preseason game where he did hit two of his baseline threes. But if we can get two versions of Vanderbilt in Cam Reddish and Cam Reddish does a better job than Vanderbilt I feel like of slithering through screens but Vanderbilt is obviously the higher motor higher uh, more athletic player better rebounder I mean you mentioned Gabe Vincent uh, Cam Reddish Jared Vanderbilt but even if we want to get taller I feel like you could put Torian Prince out there and I feel like Torian Prince would look even better with Jared Vanderbilt you know because right now Torian Prince's problem is he can't guard players who have a a shake to them uh, who are quick and obviously he can't rebound but he does well against you know jump shooting wings and using his body and length against those guys so if you have Torian Prince Cam Reddish Jared Vanderbilt LeBron James and Anthony Davis that's length on length on length strength physicality you know it's it's uh exciting to think about and yeah I'm very excited to see Jared Vanderbilt back in the fold, especially because of what it could potentially do to our guards again, maybe giving giving them their legs and juice back on the offensive end. Maybe Austin Reeves returns to the starting lineup. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's been apparent that Vanderbilt has been a larger missing piece on this team that we had anticipated. And then I'm also excited to see Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura play together, you know, like the smash and bash and bros where Rui Hachimura, I mean, Rui Hachimura has been pretty good defensively as well, but obviously not to the extent that Jared Vanderbilt has been. But yeah, there are a lot of very interesting and intriguing possibilities with Jared Vanderbilt's return on the rise. So yeah, with that said, that'll do it for this episode. I've made the decision this will be our Thanksgiving episode. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope everybody ate a lot. But yeah, with that said, we will catch you guys next time. Tommy, happy turkey gobble gobble Thanksgiving Day. Gobble gobble. Gobble gobble. See ya. Gobble ghoul. 